Hello and welcome to Over a Third. We're an Australian netball podcast on the Edge of the Crowds podcast network. I'm your host, Sarah, and today I'm joined by Ariana and Dan. How are you both? And I'm going to put you on the spot again this week. What was your most surprising moment of round two? I'm good. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, I think the most surprising thing that came out of that round was Chelsea Pittman doing a little switcheroo and playing for the Giants. And then, in theory, it ended up where she could have just played it for that week because of Alice Neal. So, I mean, good on her. I want her to collect all the jerseys, every single one. Um, other teams, please get her to come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see whether Super Nipple says, you know, you're only allowed to play for a certain number of teams in a season, training partners. And when they say training partners, they mean Chelsea Pokemon, who's going to catch them all because I don't see too many of the other training partners being in high demand because, you know, they're not English Rose Wing attacks that you can just plug and play whatever your system, whatever your plan. I think for me, the most surprising moment of the weekend was the Queensland Derby. I was not expecting the Lightning to come out that flat, really. Um, they came out and they got beat again. And I was expecting a real fire in the belly. Uh, we're better than this. And they'd let the Firebirds equal the scoring record the Fever set the week before. It's so, been two incredibly tough weeks for the Lightning, the four things. But, I mean, I, I was the same. I expected a much better showing from them uh, against the Firebirds. Uh Chelsea Pittman also got to take a trip home to Adelaide, which was kind of ideal. She got to be at home for a couple of days, which is, is nice. Saw her down at Henley actually doing her recovery. Um, so familiar face wandering around once again. But she's back over at the Fever. Um, most surprising moment. Um, I think just the, the way the Giants were decimated by COVID. I don't think we expected so early on to see half a team or half a squad, I should say, because it was training partners and playing uh, players. Uh, they yeah, were completely cut down by COVID. And I just don't know whether we'll see another team impacted in that way, considering, you know, how we've seen other teams deal with COVID in the preseason. It'll be interesting to see. It will. I mean, we did see it in some of the other sports. I mean, in the AFLW, mm. we saw obviously teams be absolutely decimated with COVID. Um, there's an argument to say that the English men's cricket team are decimated by COVID, but that might have also been form at the end of their Ashes series. Um, but yeah, I think it, it will be interesting to see whether other teams are affected the same way. And now we know what the bar is to have a game postponed. It is a little bit hard to see anything actually being postponed, given how dire the circumstances were for the Giants last week. And that still wasn't enough. I'm thinking like, yeah, the precedent's been set as they've all said over the weekend and that's where it's at now. We know that the league is not very willing to move things around and basically go and find whoever you can, Chelsea Pittman, um, <laughs> and shove them into your team and just make it work. And look, the Giants, they did try against the Thunderbirds in the first half. They really did stay level with them and, and the Thunderbirds, probably were a little bit disappointed with that. I mean, here's a team that's been pulled together. You should jump them. Well, I think also, in part, we saw in the second half the COVID effect on athletes 
It's like Amy Sliger and Lauren Moore, who really just, I mean, they're incredibly talented players, but they just couldn't keep up the pace they were going. Um, and I think that's the effect of rushing back from COVID. And had the game been postponed, you wouldn't have had that rush back out of protocols like the two of them were. So, Or not had other players impacted. That wouldn't have... That they wouldn't have been rushed back. You would have had players to choose from. but And that's where um, the precedent's been set now because you would have thought that two players the week before and players over the weekend, that there, you know, there would be more discussion about that. But that's where we're at. They're, they said the two players that were available for selection were available. So that, that's where it's at. Um, we'll move on. I'm sure we'll be talking about COVID a few times in this episode. So we'll we'll move on for now um, and we'll get stuck into the Power Five. So we have already spoken about the result between the Thunderbirds and the Giants and how Thunderbirds got up by 13. Uh, but some other results from the weekend, we saw the Vixens get up over the Swifts. The Firebirds absolutely smashed the Lightning by 28 goals. Fever by 17 over the Magpies and, as I said, Thunderbirds by 13 over the Giants to round out the weekend. What were the key takeaways? I mean, Thunderbirds two for two, a record. I reckon they can go three for three. So a good on them. Um, really good start to the season. I'm happy for them. Yeah, I mean, the, the Thunderbirds seem to have worked out a lot of the things that plagued them in previous years so far. It's got a hold, but um, it's a bright start and probably better than we were all expecting. Um, it does help when you face a decimated giant side. I think a full strength giant side would have been a different challenge. I'm not sure the Thunderbirds lose, but I don't think they win by 13 after playing that poor first half against a full strength giants team. For me, the Magpies are in deep trouble and so are the Lightning. That's kind of my takeaways that neither of those sides have it going yet. Um, the Magpies, it's the attacking end and the Lightning, it's the defensive end. But whatever they're doing is not working. And the Vixens have some growing pain still. Um, you know, they probably should have accounted for the Swiss pretty easily who were poor in the first half. The Swiss were, to an extent, hiding Kelly Singleton out on court. She had one center pass receive and two second phase receives in the first quarter. That is nothing for your goal attack when... Helen Housby had more second phase receives playing goal shooter in the first quarter. I mean, the Swiss tactics really had to change without Sam Wallace at the back end. And that is always going to be a teething problem, especially when you don't have a goal shooter sitting in the wings to just go and throw straight in there. Um, Turns out they might have one of those though. It does. I was about to say the roar of the crowd as Sophie Fawns got onto court was honestly something else. Um, you think the roar was loud? loud. Uh, one of the great views that we had from the media box was the where the training partners were sitting. And the, the word that I used to describe them on the night and the word that I'll continue is, is feral. They were <laughs> feral. When Sophie Fawns got on and then when she got her goal, it was, you know, that they looked like they were about to jump the fence and go out and run <laughs> on the court and celebrate with her. That's amazing though. Like that, that's the cult, like that's the culture that they've built in their New South Wales pathway program in the Swifts um, training partner program, that they would be that excited for one of their own to get out on court and get her first official game in a Swifts dress. I mean, um, she's a very young player and very green, but she showed that she might be up for it and, 
there's possibly I mean, a permanent replacement player spot. It, they were also pretty feral when Lily Gorman Brown got on court and got involved. Um, there was plenty of examples. But Sophie Fawns is, um, you know, a really good story. Her mother has really struggled, and, and the Swiss were wearing black armbands for Sophie's mother in round one. Um, a couple of weeks before that, Sophie was answering the phones with membership. Um, and on the morning of the game last weekend, she went to work at the swim shop selling swimsuits before work. Bryony found out about that at the press conference after the game and was shocked, just like the rest <laughs> of us. Wow. But that is how low-key she was about it all, to an extent. You know, it was an all day. She got up and went to work and then went and played netball afterwards. And if, if that doesn't sound like suburban netball and the comforts of home, <laughs> and to do that in front of that feral crowd at Ken Roswell Arena is something special. That is a very special one. Um, we also saw Courtney Bruce's 100th game. Fever got up in that, and that was another good news story for the week um, to see Courtney get her 100th. I mean, it's been a little while that she's been out on court smashing it for the Fever and also for the Australian Diamonds, but um, well-deserved 100 games there. I, I think that... surprised it was 100 games. I really thought she was well past that milestone by now because... It just seems like she's been such a long-term presence for, for so long. Yeah, that is true. But I'm trying to compare it to other players that are about to reach 100, and that's it true. seems about right. Yeah. When true. I think about other players and, yeah, where they're at, um, yeah, it kind of fits a bit better. But just looking at it, yeah, <laughs> you would think that she would be a lot further along than 100 games, but nope. Um I think that does it for our Power 5 this week because we need to move into previewing the next week of netball because it's going to be a bumper preview today, guys, because we have two rounds to go through. Um, we've decided we'll do it get, uh, team by team rather than game by game because let's just be honest, there's a bit too much netball to look at and also we'll get a bit speculative if we start looking at Wednesdays games next week from Wednesday this week but we will um, instead go team by team and see where they're at after two rounds and where they could be after four which is when we'll next be recording so Dan we're going to start at the bottom of the ladder which means you get to talk about the lightning I mean, the, the lightning have had uh, what can only be described as a very poor start to the season <laughs> I think if we were grading them that is an F grade to give 164 goals away in the first two weeks it is so it, it, it's the second worst two-week return of all time in Super Netball or its iterations um, when you account for Super Shots it's still the second worst return for two weeks of all time so it's not like they're getting killed with the long bombs that defense is like a sieve at the moment and the midcourt isn't helping. I mean, it's amazing how much the difference of Carla Pretorius and Maddie McAuliffe has made to the lighting. They're really missing those two. Um, Pretorius, the plan is obviously for her to be back next season and Maddie McAuliffe's not coming back and they do need to find a midcourt replacement and an effective plan to get through this season because Moeni and Pretorius aren't going to be back the same way. And it doesn't matter how good Cara Cone and Riley Batchelor and Steph Wood are, and to date it hasn't blown our socks off, but it's not going to matter how good they are if they keep conceding 80 goals a week because they 
they will never be able to score enough to keep up consistently. Um, they've got the Thunderbirds and the Magpies over the next two weeks. The Thunderbirds is not someone I'd be liking to fine-tune my goal <laughs> circle against. And I'm not sure I'd want to be fine-tuning my defensive circle against them either. I mean, Georgie Horchus, Tippett's one of them. He's have been lethal so far this year. The Magpies does bode as a slightly easier matchup. Um, the Magpies might have a more concerning start to the season than the Lightning, but it's close. Um, so one of those teams is going to come away with a win that week. Um, at least in theory, there is the possibility of a draw, obviously. But I think one of those teams is going to come away with the win um, and will at least get their season off to something. Yeah, I mean, the Lightning coming up against the Thunderbirds, it's going to be another different combination in for their defensive end to come up against because they have so far seen a holding shooter option at the Fever and at the Firebirds. So it, it's the same with Flanese is there, but... If they go for the Georgie Tipper combo at times, it's going to be a different look for them to uh, tackle, which might work in their favour, but I'm not confident. Um, they're it still a sip. It, it can't go any worse than the holding shooter has, really. I mean, they the Thunderbirds could go and break the record and score 83 goals. <laughs> that wouldn't be any worse than record-settingly bad defence. I mean, that is still record. It's just a new record. It's just it's a still, new record, true. It's still... <laughs> Ariana looks like she's going to cry when we're talking about the lightning defense. You're not wrong, though. And, and look, credit, Katie Antahaney and Kate Walsh and Tara Hinchliff are incredibly talented players, mm. each in their own right, and there's no question about that. But putting the two or three of them together is not working. Exactly. I, and I think that's the point. Is It's not a combination that's very strong yet. It's not working together cohesively yet. Um, we said in Team Girls, we were keen to see how that combination, especially the Katie Ann and Kate Walsh combo goes, but it, it seemed okay at Team Girls, but we were only seeing it for 40 minutes at a time. And then it, the real deal, it's just not holding up. Also, I mean, we saw it a little bit in preseason. We were raving about it in early preseason when we saw mm. Kate Walsh and Katie Ann Haney. And it's fair to say it is a slightly underdone Tara Hinchliffe not helping the chemistry there. I mean, she's made a miraculous recovery from an ACL, mm. but you'd have to think her conditioning has been affected and maybe it's her court sense as well, but whatever it is, it's not really working at the moment. That twinch lift isn't, isn't clicking <laughs> yet. Uh, hope, I mean, we hope it clicks. Like we, oh, yeah. we really yeah. do, but Please. at the moment it's just... It's just not working and um, I just don't know what other combinations they can try because they seem to have thrown every combination on the court so far. I do wonder, though, if by the time you get to the third quarter and you're trying things out 14 goals down, whether it's a lost cause already. Yeah. Um, but there is something to be said about the fact that in both cases, like, you know, both weeks they've been down big at halftime, but the Swiss were down big at halftime last week. The Firebirds were beat down big at halftime in week one. Those teams have managed to work it out and fight their way back. It's a bit concerning that the Lightning have folded and not found a way to fight back. They were without Steph Wood on the weekend, which always does make a difference. Um, but again, they've got two massive games to come against the Thunderbirds and the Magpies, and especially that one against the Magpies next Wednesday night, you'd be hoping that they can find a way to 
he had a win there. I think that that's their closest. At, looking at the first two rounds, that's their closest matchup at this stage, you'd yeah. have to say. Um, and so, but it will be interesting to see what they can do against the, th- the Thunderbirds too. Well, speaking of the Magpies, Sarah, you were going to have a, a look at the team that is only above the Lightning on percentage on the ladder. Yes. Look, it's been not the ideal start to the season for the Magpies either. However, pre-season we weren't exactly speaking glowingly about them. We were actually, though, quite excited to see, quite intrigued actually is probably a better way to put it, their goal circle for the Magpies. And let's just say we've not been particularly impressed. We're intrigued. We're not particularly impressed so far. Yeah, that's that's a pretty fair way of putting it. I think it's been uh, somewhere between poor and bad. I mean... (laughs) Speak it like the first week I got to watch it live and it just it didn't gel any part of it didn't gel there and yes we've got we, we were watching them up against Shamira Sterling and Latanya Wilson or Matilda Garrett like they're not easy they're, no. they're not easy defenders to come up against at any point but when you're working out your combos really especially it's not great um the shift of Sophie Garbin full-time out to goal attack I'm not convinced will stand up for a quarter, let alone a whole game. Um, it's not a season or two years, like a contract. Yep. And has it been a good move for her? Does she want to be out at goal attack? Like, she's, she's a strong goal shooter. Like, it, it's an interest, it was an interesting move for her to make at the end of last season. We said it. We were like, okay, they must know something or we must not know something. But I'm so far, so, I don't so know far, where it's at. Yeah, we've not been wrong so far. I mean, we said that the concern was that they're two holding goal shooters and you don't generally play two holding goal shooters in the same circle for a reason. There's no movement and there's no chemistry. And it's a pretty accurate way to describe what the circle's been like when the two of them have been in there so far. It's been dysfunctional. It, it's almost as if they don't know where... If Garbin hangs out outside the circle and then Shimona comes out, it's then like there's no one home. And then neither of them are particularly speedy to get back into the goal circle and drive up the baseline or um, be home alone. So it's the chemistry isn't working. The communication hasn't been great either. Like just even those sorts of things, there should always be someone in the goal circle, or at least close closer to it than they've been in recent games. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be said about that forward. I think the thing that struck me the most is that they both move in the same pattern. Mm. They both move like goal shooters. And well, they're both goal shooters. <laughs> that's essentially the problem, though, is that you're missing the movement that a goal attack provides and the width and the depth and the pace of a goal attack. And goal attacks don't have to be super speedy. I mean, Helen Housby is no one's idea of a speedy goal attack, but she's one of the most dominant in the world because she moves in a way that creates space. But the Magpies circle hasn't worked out how to move in chemistry together. It's almost like they're moving competition with one another. And you look at the way Helen Housby reads the ball and can predict and just knows because she's played so much goal attack you know, she's played both positions quite a fair bit, whereas Sophie Garbin has played goal shooter. Ironically, <laughs> she played goal shooter with Helen Housby. And mm. 
Yeah, exactly. When the Swifts put Helen Housby at goal shooter last weekend, it was not any better. That, that circle with Housby and Singleton was not great either, but that's not on the same level as the Garvin-Nelson circle that's really concerning. Well, the, Sw- the Swifts and the Magpies come up against each other this weekend. Uh, that'll be interesting. I'm pretty confident that we're not going to see the Housby-Singleton circle as a 60-minute plan. Yeah. I think we'll see it from time to time in the same way that the Swifts have always used Housby as a change-of-pace goal shooter but I think we will see a traditional goal shooter in the circle most weeks. The Magpies also then have the Lightning, which is also another interesting matchup that they could possibly, we just said the Lightning might get a chance to get a win, but the Magpies here, they could also get a chance to uh, take home a win. They'll be at home. They'll be, you know, it's Thursday, it's Wednesday night. They'll have had another game against the Swifts, whether that's a win or a loss, they'll either have a bunch of confidence that it's a win or they will be really wanting a win because they've had three losses to start their season. So uh, let's hope that in the next two rounds, though, they can figure out what it is in that goal circle that they need to find um, and the combination. It's interesting. If the Thunderbirds, uh, sorry, one way or another, one of these two teams is going to have three losses on the trot. And if the Thunderbirds go to 4-0, and there is a chance that there will be two 0-3 teams or two 1-3 and teams. Mm-hmm. There, yes. I mean, the Swifts or the Magpies, one of them is going to get a win this weekend. However, the weekend after, if the Magpies get another loss, sorry, not the weekend after, the midweek after, the Magpies then, yeah, come up against the Lightning, which we could have seen the Lightning lose the first three. They might become 1-3 and three, or they could become 0-4. And the Magpies might become two and two or one and three. You'd have to think at own four your season start, right? <sighs> like it's given not how ideal. tight this competition is, if I mean you're realistically gonna need nine, possibly ten wins to make finals. Yeah, exactly. The magpies you need to win ten of your last ten. The magpies will be more rested only by one day. But I think that might it might help them when it is such a tight turnaround. I'm I'm with the Ariana like that extra day could be a huge difference. Um, just in the the health and fitness of those players, especially if we see another wave of COVID go through this week, you would want to know by now. Otherwise, they're missing two games. So that's going to be really interesting. Dan, you've already spoken, started speaking about the Swifts because, of course, you managed to put the Swifts in the middle of a Magpies chat. But anyway, uh, they've got the Magpies, as we've been talking about. They've also got the Thunderbirds this week. What are your thoughts? That's two tough matchups. I mean, the Magpies is a, a slightly easier one, but I could see the Swifts being one and three at the next time we record because that shooting circle is not settled yet. Sophie Fons was great, uh, but she kind of blew the doors off in a way that reminded me of Rani Samuelson. And Rani Samuelson had that brilliant breakout debut. But then the three weeks afterwards that she was in the squad were middling at best. Um, I mean, she wasn't the she, she wasn't by any means poor, but she wasn't a brilliant player for the next three. And Sophie Fons, you know, came in as an 18-year-old with all the emotion and played brilliantly. If she can back it up for the next two weeks, 
or the next two matches, I think there's a solid chance if she played three good games, she could get that permanent spot. Um, because we're then going to start to run out of games to bring in a permanent replacement. Um, but the defensive end is what I'm quite interested in because so far the Swiss have not played for any real stretch the combination that won them the premiership last year with Clough in goalkeeper and Turner in goal defence. They played it for about 20 minutes in round one and that's it. Because for most of round one, we had Ali Smith in goal defence. Mm-hmm. And all of last week, we had the two in their reversed positions. That was interesting. What's up with that? <laughs> I won't lie. When I saw the team sheet for the like for the opening first quarter, I was like, uh, what's, what's Claire doing out of goal defence? What's Turner doing in the circle? I don't, I don't know. Uh, and Bryony explained that she kind of, it was a deliberate plan and it was part of trying to disrupt Kira Austin but it always seemed like those were two names you just put at the bottom of your team sheet in that order and you knew they weren't going anywhere and you're going to get rock solid defense and the Swiss were good defensively they weren't brilliant defensively is Bryony Acor hatching a master plan to spin the magnets again or what's changed her mind that she's no longer settled with the combo that she had I don't know. You're, you're the one that speaks to her every second week, Ken Rose or Lorena. You're Yeah, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know why they're not trusting the combination that, as you say, won them a premiership. I'm, I'm not sure why you wouldn't go with that, but have they been training with this different combination all preseason that we haven't really seen, um, that they've waited until round one to throw out, just like Alice T. Neal playing at wing attack was thrown in the mix at round one. Um, yeah, it just uh, it doesn't make sense to see Cloud at goal defence and Turner in the circle. Well, I'm just very glad that when we had that combo, we didn't have Maddie Turner running all the way up to the transverse line <laughs> to feed and then realising and running back like we did last year. That was true. She's learnt where the uh, transverse line is, which is very ideal. Um. So when you say they're one and three, who are they beating? The Magpies and losing the to Magpies the Thunderbirds? This week. I think they lose to the T-Birds the following week because the T-Birds look good this year. Mm-hmm. And they're a they real do. contender. They've shown so far every time that they've got out on the court, they've answered the call. Um, and so I quite like where the T-Birds are at. But I think if the Swiss can work out what they're going to do at goal shooter for the rest of the season, they'll consider weeks two, three, and four a worthwhile use of weeks two, three, and four. Okay. I don't know if they need to win. I think they just need to work out what they're going to do. Yeah, and I, I I have to agree. I don't think that it's a temporary replacement player elevation every week kind of situation at the Swiss. I think they need stability. Um, where they have a lot of rotations within their squad, I think they need a stable 10 if they can avoid COVID, obviously, and other injuries. But um, so, yeah, and a permanent elevation does seem like the path they'll go down. And if Sophie, as you say, can play two big weeks or two big games in the next week, then maybe the following week in round five, she's the one that's permanently there. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Bryony does. We never know what Bryony's going to do. Um, we just play along. Across town... Ariana, the Giants, 
They are, I mean, they're going okay. They didn't, they didn't have a good week last week, but that wasn't their fault. That was COVID's fault. You can't do much when half of your squad is just out. I, I did you, enjoy the halftime Zoom, I'm not going to lie, between them. All. Yeah, that was so sweet. And I hope, by the looks of it, it seems all of them didn't, well, fighting fit. They, I, By the sounds of it, they don't have any major symptoms and should be good to come back, which is very good for the Giants, considering there was so many of them out. And they held on pretty well last week, I think. They were going, they were fighting and then it sort of got away on them, but they were definitely trying. They didn't wipe it out completely. And we got to see Lauren Moore in wing defense, which was a bit of a surprise. So I like to see her um, play in one of her more typical, typical roles in the next two games for her I, sake. I did smile at that because there was a big part of the reason that Lauren Moore left the Swiss was that she didn't want to play wing defence. And her very first appearance for the Giants was right back there. <laughs> Sorry, Lauren. <laughs> it, against the Vixens, I'm not entirely sure how they'll go. The Vixens are doing very well, and especially because the Giants haven't had that week to further consolidate their team because so many people are out. So... I'm interesting to see how that goes. First, first live game for me. Exciting as a as a journal. Oh my I gosh! I think the Giants might get the Swiss this uh, get the Vixens this week. Really? You reckon? I think the, I think the Vixens have not been as good as their two and O suggests. Mm, yeah, they, they played a a Thunderbirds team, a Firebirds team that was not at their best, and then a Swiss team that can only be described as depleted and basically escaped with a win each time yeah the margins from the vixens so far this season have not blown me away it'll definitely be a tight game and i'm very excited to watch it and i honestly don't mind who comes out the winner because <laughs> i'm just happy to be here <laughs> <laughs> and then they have the firebirds which again i think will be pretty close considering their next to each other on the ladder. The Giants, I honestly think if they had their full team, they probably could have won this last week, which would have put them pretty much equal. So it'll be interesting to see how they go home game. So I hope the crowd gets behind them. Dan, I hope you get behind them. I am unfortunately away. Oh, yeah. Although if my plans change, uh, I can make an 8 p.m. start. <laughs> 8pm is quite convenient for me, so I do think that's going to be a great game. I'm looking forward to it. The Firebirds have shocked everyone to start the season, I think. It'd be fair to say. Yeah, they're doing better than I think we thought they were going to do. I know Danelle's been the star of that, but I don't think it's just been Danelle. No. Shall we move into the Firebirds then? Shall I? Officially. Shall we, shall we officially start talking about the Firebirds? I think so. Then off you go. Keep going. Well, on I was your... going to say, um, Michael Hutchinson had, had a little graphic of the notorious RBD um, that I saw on Twitter today, and I really liked that because she's been fantastic in the first two weeks. Yep. She and 
EUB at the back end. RVD and EUB have been uh, taking names from opposing goal shooters over the first couple of weeks, and it's been really good to see. A couple of acronymed names there. Um, yes, they have been. Ursula Brand and Ruby Vecordor have been brilliant together actually I really enjoyed watching them play together against the Lightning I thought they did a really great job against um, I mean obviously it wasn't quite the Lightning front end that they would like to be putting up with Steph Wood on the sidelines with COVID, COVID protocols but the Firebirds have been cohesive and really um, able to attack at the front end with obviously the star that Danelle Wollum is already making herself known to be uh, and she she's just kind of at the end there though it's taking a lot for the firebirds to get it from one end to the other and they're doing it really really well they're cohesive in the midcourt their defense seems to be pretty well worked out I thought that Ruby did a, quite a good job at Kim Jenner the week before obviously gave away quite a few penalties but if they move on from that um I, like I wonder if Ruby's the go. I think Ruby's the go. Um, and I think Lara Dungley's gone to another level this year. I mean, she's been good before. She was a big miss in Team Girls Cup now we see because she makes a huge mm. difference. She's been one of the better wing attacks in the league over the first couple of weeks, I thought. Definitely. Love watching Lara Dunkley play. I think she's she's just got a great netball mind. She knows where things are going to be. She's and she combines so well with Rav. It's just um, so nice to watch the two of them help the, playing with each other down the courts. Like the two of them just pass to each other halfway down the court sometimes, and no one else gets involved. But um, it, it's uh, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they can keep this up. I feel like they're playing with a bit of momentum or at least against the Lightning, that massive win is something that they can take forward. They've got the fever next. So will they get an abrupt stop or will they get to, to keep rolling? If they make it to two and one and they beat the fever, are we taking them seriously as a premiership contender? Yes, and I ruled them out like as a <laughs> no finals chance. There's no way. Um, but I have to reconsider because honestly, if they can take it up, even if they can like match it with the fever I mean obviously you you need wins to make finals so a win against the fever would be very ideal but even if they show that they are at a similar level I'd be impressed and I'd say that maybe the next time that they they come up against each other admittedly that one would be in Perth um that they could be a chance especially off you know the back of further into the season you know they've had more games together especially but that Danelle Wallen Gretel Buetta combo has not needed any time at all I, I love the layups that we're getting so consistently just like yeah who needs to shoot where you could just lay up all the time I know like, the purists are like horrified by it but I love it or like who needs to stand under the post and be a holding goal shooter when you can just shoot it from like just inside the circle because the long bombs that Danelle has sunk, admittedly there was one um, at the end of a quarter. I think she was going for a two-point shot and she got it, but the penalty had been called or something. And because of the end of the quarter, they had to take it back and she had to shoot it again and then missed. But yeah. she, she has been, um, yeah, 
honestly so impressive to start to start the uh year and I think that if she keeps playing like this somebody somewhere is going to have to find a spot for her well it's also I think for for us I mean Sarah you and I talked about the uh Firebirds defense event at the end of the free agency period and we said Mm. we thought it was a real problem we thought it was a big weakness two weeks in I have taken back that assessment (laughs) um I'm not sold on Kim Jenner's performance so far this season but Rebecca Goldoran and Evanisa Brown have been rock solid together. Absolutely. I think that they, yeah, the way that Ebony has slotted into what was already there between Ruby being at the Firebirds for a little while as training partner and then, yeah. Um, and then also Kim Jenner's obviously been there for a few years as well. It It's interesting to see another one slot in, but she's done it seamlessly she's she's controlling that back end she's the communication is really good I think which is something else that um is always important in defensive circles is you need to know when somebody's going to go after an intercept and when somebody needs to just stay back and hold the circle down but uh, yeah so far it's working really well for them and I'd love to see it grow even further this year and be eating my own words when I'm talking about the Firebirds not even being a chance to make finals <laughs> Sorry, and then suddenly Ellie. slide in there I know Ellie's gonna come back on in a couple of weeks and be like all right so <laughs> I gotta set the record straight <laughs> you're all wrong my Firebirds are fine <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> but yeah it's a big test for the Firebirds this week they've got the fever and then the Giants as well so if they somehow get themselves to as you say one and three or what even two and two win one of those lose one of those that'll be a really good spot but if they get smashed in both maybe we're talking differently but I really don't think that's going to happen Vixens Ariana yeah so they have their first two home games of the season which I like for them which will be good I'm sure the I'm sure the Melbourne crowd's going to get right behind it especially after their team girls cut win I know I will be <laughs> so yeah as we said against the Giants can really go either way I'd like to think the home crowd will get them over but I genuinely don't know and I'm a little bit nervous about it and then after they have the fever which probably after team girls we might have guessed would be the grand final for the the round so it'll be interesting to see how they go I think the Viva will probably win because the Fever are just almost untouchable at this stage you might as well just discount every game you play against the Fever but we'll see if they're at home again so who knows I think the reason we're saying the Fever is a bit untouchable at the moment is it seems like every other team is trying to find that perfect combination like the Vixens we've in team girls they had a set combination we add in Kira Austin and suddenly that goal circle isn't quite set against the Giants as well it'll be interesting to see how they go because they've played that they played them in preseason and they did quite well I yeah, feel they played like them in yeah. preseason of Vixens won pretty handily mm, and but, I am here for the Kira Austin revenge game <laughs> She needs to get on court for a long period of time, which so far. Yeah, she has not played. She's played 20 minutes. Well, I mean, I don't think the Vixens are blind to that. I mean, we heard Simone 
last weekend after the match talk about that combination of Kira and Rani and how it's settling in. Kip start in goal attack last week and Rani this week. Is mm. that something you're still working out or is that match up specific? No, no, no. It's, um, last week it was an important step for Kipper that hadn't had much... She hasn't had much pre-season yeah. match play in any of the pre-season. So it was a, a, just an important step for her. For her confidence, I'm ready. And, um, but that's, it doesn't all just happen all at once. So she's growing each, each game that she's out there. And she, you know, she, she felt a bit more relaxed today. And that's a process for her when you're returning from injury. So, um, yeah, but ultimately we just build up and work on those combinations and, and get some real strength and flexibility across that shooting group. And, I mean, I, I think Simone knows her players better than we do. True. Um, and I, I think that she's right, that Kira and Rani will kind of find their way into the momentum, but two games in four days is not necessarily the way to go back and break down the field and work out how to improve. So it might not be a huge improvement over the next couple of weeks, but it will be interesting to see. Yeah, it will be. The the Vixens are settling, but yeah, the circle, I think the front end circle, which we saw last year, that was the part that was also a bit hit and miss. And so I feel like when it's not happening at the front, the midcourt and the defensive ends, you don't see any benefit from their hard work because it's not being converted or it's not being taken all the way down the court. So I think if they can get that front end circle uh, sorted, they're a little bit better. It's still going to be a rotating combo because they've got three stars. Then the defence and the midcourt will feel a bit more confident about the transition because they'll know what's ahead of them. They'll know who's coming out to, to take the pass. Um all those, all those sorts of things. So it's a work in progress, which is why I think that having the Giants and then the Fever is very unfortunate for the Vixens. Yeah. yeah. Hard round. Do you think well, they can, rounds. yeah, hard two rounds and it's all happening within four days. Could they be two and two after it? That's They've got two yeah, wins, I could, two I losses. I could see yeah. it being two and two because I could see... I mean, we saw how much Amy Sliger and Lauren Moore were affected by rushing back from COVID. Palmy and Price and Dwyer and any of the training partners that are back into the side this week are probably going to be having the same effects. And mm. if you've got five or six players within a couple of weeks of having COVID, that's not really how I'd want to run out of game. So, so it might work in the Vixen's favour. I could see the Giants struggling late and maybe letting the Vixens get away with one, but the Vixens will have to improve to beat the Fever. Improve a fair bit to beat the Fever. <laughs> so when we get to the Fever, I have a little bit of a hot take about that one. All right. Ooh. Well, we'll we'll take a detour before the Fever and we'll fit in the Thunderbirds. Ariana. Never forget the Thunderbirds. Well, yeah, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Another team with two home games. The yeah. Thunderbirds are having a very good home game little run. And I hope it sets them up well for the rest of the rest of the uh, season. So yes, they've got the lightning, and all three of us are not very hopeful for the lightning, unfortunately. <laughs> fair way to describe it. <laughs> but that's so exciting for the Thunderbirds to be three for three, which would break their record, which they've already <laughs> they've already broken. They seriously never won two games in a row. 
not in Suncorp Super Netball. They've not won. No, they've not won the first two. Mm. I was going to say because I am sure in that twenty-five years that's yeah. a couple of good seasons. In there, yeah. <laughs> Surely, 100%. we're just talking Super Netball era. But yeah, yes. I mean it's it's a huge change for the Super Netball Thunderbirds. So yeah, the Lightning, as you mentioned, will probably have some difficulty with the Thunderbird circle, especially because they have three players who they can rotate pretty easily, which I think will also set them up for the fact that they have two games very close to each other. Mm-hmm. And that next game is versus the Swifts, which I think will be the Thunderbirds, probably the hardest one so far, a hot take maybe. But I'm, I'm a little bit worried in terms of four for four, four. I think possibly the Swifts, the Swifts might, might come in and get him, but we'll see. I hope not. This season, Georgie Gorgeous has been an absolute game changer. I love her. She's taken her fitness to a new level, which Mm -hmm. you talked about at the end of Fridge. She said that was a big priority, and it's showing. I mean, she's running out games comfortably for 60 minutes. When you attack, goal attack, damaging, making those leads late in games is really proving to be tough for the other teams. And, And I think it's turned, it's a part of why they've turned up to be another level this year. Yeah, absolutely. Always going to be glowingly talking about Georgie Horges' transformation over the past uh, two seasons. And then, yeah, especially coming into this season because she has taken it all to another level. Um, she's she's a young player, very much still a young player. And uh, I think that, that a lot of that uh, experience and in getting into the high performance program and, and learning how you can progress your game and things like that and realising what a big impact fitness and um, agility plays and and just being able to run out games and being able to continue to make leads. I mean, we did see her goal shooter late in the game, but that's because it had all faded out. Um, Perhaps a little bit of a rest of the legs, but yeah, she has absolutely that first game MVP. She, she dominated. Um, And I mean, Shamira Sterling was particularly brilliant on the weekend. So that's why she got the nod ahead of Georgie, but um. I do think I agree with you, though, Ariana. A, a Swifts is cu- the current Swifts, despite the injury to Sam Wallace, I still think is stronger than COVID decimated Giants. Yeah. <laughs> so I would have said Giants out of the first four games looking in at the season, I would have said Giants is the hardest. But after the weekend, and we said that even last week, it was going to be the hardest, the harder challenge after round one's win. But given the circumstances on the weekend, I don't think it ended up being and they they did struggle in the first half they didn't have their game sorted but they probably also hadn't prepared to play particular players um you mean chelsea Pittman wasn't part of the opposition research probably not um i might have been on friday night late friday night (laughs) while i was writing an essay they might have been pulling out the game tape um but (laughs) this is another one for me sorry you go yeah no you go i was gonna say latanya wilson's another game changer for me she's gone from being a bit player who comes on and plays 10 12 minutes a game to a starting goal defense and, mm-hmm. and a level that can start next to Shamira Sterling yeah I loved hearing from Tanya Opst in the first end of the first game um, I spoke to her and asked her about the move of Latanya into goal defense just into the second quarter I think it was and they said they were looking for something different 
and that it had actually been a toss-up as to whether Tilly or Latanya got the nod at the start of the game. So to bring her in in the second quarter, they were full of confidence that she would, you know, run run it out fine and she would, you know, take the role on quite well, especially against at first uh, Sophie Garbin and then Gabby Sinclair. And I think we saw again on the weekend that the Shamira-Latanya combination is just all arms and just ready to get you. <laughs> Um, they chase down bulls so hard as well. And I, I think we saw that in rounds one and round two. They just, if there's a loose ball in the defensive end for the Thunderbirds, sorry to the opposition, but gone. out the other way. It, yeah, it's gone. And it's actually being converted this year, Dan, which is a new thing. I mean, <laughs> we said before the season that if they worked out how to convert those turnovers, yeah, they were going to be a top team. They've converted the turnovers in the first two weeks and they're looking like a top team. Hey. It's amazing what you can do when you actually transition the ball and put it in the net. <laughs> um, but we might have it, another apology to give Ali when she puts <laughs> Ali, what are you doing? <laughs> Sorry. Oh goodness. Um, yeah, so I think the Thunderbirds are really well placed here to be at least one and three. Well, mm. three and one. Yes. Maybe four and oh. We will have to wait and see. I'll be going to that Swifts game on uh, Wednesday night, stressed, but we'll see how I end up at the end of the night. <laughs> One of us is going to be having a good time on the next pod recording, Sarah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We've got one final team to take a look at before Dan gets into his matchup of the week, which I'm kind of, I'm quite interested in this week. But anyway, before we get to that, Fever. Obviously, a few of us, most of us, predicted at the start of the season that they would be quite a strong team this year. Um, and uh, they have done nothing to say otherwise so far because they absolutely smashed the lightning and then they did quite the job on their magpies as well. And they even had the spanner of losing their training partner to the Giants and then having to replace the player, a player who would have basically being replaced by Chelsea Pittman, but that's okay. Alice Tignard was out uh, COVID protocols. So, I mean, Sasha Glasgow just played goal attack as she has in the first round and Emma Kosh came in to wing attack and it was quite fine. And yeah. there was nothing else to really say about them against the Magpies because it was just a just another tick, go over, get the win, off they go. So here's my hot take about the fever. They are a very good team. They are not streets ahead of everyone else, though. The Fever have come up against... I mean, after round one, we all thought that, you know, they were mastered because they smacked the lightning. Since then, the Firebirds have smacked the lightning, and I don't think we had the Firebirds as streets ahead of everyone else. No, and that's a, a, it's a fair take, actually. I don't think it's... And I think we all agree that after two rounds, the Magpies have not impressed us and are on the race to the bottom. So to smack two bottom teams by massive margins is good, but it's what we expect of premiership contenders. It's not a sign that they are going to go undefeated. And I think that the next couple of weeks is going to be a pretty tough reality check for the FIFA. I think they're going to be tested over the next couple of weeks. Yes, they do have two away games as well. They travel to 
Nissan Arena in Queensland on Sunday and then back it up at John Kane on Tuesday. You imagine they just go straight from Queensland to Melbourne for that one. I think it's almost better than having a home and away in that time. Yes. It's a shorter flight. Exactly. <laughs> but the fever, sorry, the Firebirds and the Vixens, that they pose that challenge to the fever. This is where we're actually going to find out if the fever are in fact streets ahead or if they are I, mean, I, I don't think there's any question they are at the top end of the ladder. Um, they're a very good team. Mm. But it's not beyond the realm of possibility that they could lose two and be two and two, right? It's, it's not beyond, but... It would be a surprise, sir. It would be a surprise to see them lose to the Firebirds, if I'm honest. I think, yes, the Firebirds... Um, absolutely smashed the lightning as well on the weekend, um, the week after the fever had done it. But I think the Firebirds, it got to the point where, well, the lightning had nothing to do. Like they they just sort of gave up. Yeah. And the Firebirds didn't um, make the changes that the fever, like the fever could have easily smashed the lightning by even more, but they made that change of bringing Alice into goal attack and it just didn't fit as nicely in the last quarter and that was something we spoke about last week Dan Ryan was disappointed by it the fi- the Firebirds didn't do that they just continued smashing the lightning I think Firebirds also pose a unique challenge to the Fever because if there is one team at whose model whose image they are modeled it is the Fever you have a domineering physical goal shooter you have a goal attack who by every right, could play goal shooter in most other teams. You have a mid-court that's full of diamonds or former diamonds or future diamonds. You've got a world-class goalkeeper and a bright young goal defence. Which team am I talking about? I mean, you could be talking about either. However, the FIFA also have the knowledge of Danelle Wallen. Uh, they, she's a previous training partner. They, they know her. <laughs> Dan Ryan that's has coached her. Great. I'm still yet to see anyone stop her. Yeah, but Courtney Bruce might do it. If uh, anyone's going to stop her, probably Courtney Bruce. I also haven't seen anyone stop Janine Fowler. So, like, will not, anyone stop her? Let's not pretend like it's going to be easy and like they're guaranteed. But those two have been the two most dominant plays the first two weeks. Um, it's not going to be easy for Courtney Bruce this weekend, that's for sure. No, but if, if there's two. That, that particular matchup, which coming into the season, I would never have predicted that a Sunday afternoon matchup between Firebirds and Fever was going to be like the game of the round that I really wanted to see. But it kind of is. Yeah. I'm very excited to see how that one plays out. And I think we could very easily see the Dixons beat the Fever because they've already done it once. They have. They did deep goals. They have, and they are at home. And they did it without their shooters last time. That and that's true. But is there slightly not yet working rotation shooting of shooting circle that's the star players, but it's it's not yet gelled. Is that, is that better? better? Than Rani and Ruby. I'd have to say yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason why two of their players have connections to the diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> like in theory best in the world exactly so it's going to be yeah and a, another interesting one tuesday night lock it in we're going to have to be watching 
Tuesday night and Wednesday night netball are going to be absurdly good. I, I'm so looking forward to because the matchups, I'm not sure I'm sold on all the matchups over the weekend, but there isn't a Tuesday night matchup I'm not looking forward to. That that's a fair call. Vixens first fever, Giants first five, but that's a good Tuesday night at Apple. And the Wednesday night's gonna be Wednesday night's going to be compelling. Mm, it's gonna really set up the seat. Like that's four rounds in. And as you say, like that's four rounds into 14. It's getting it's into the season. We're gonna know where teams are placed. I mean, I think in the we, early stages. we have some thoughts already so far, but <laughs> but yeah. We're, we're basing all of these off two rounds. So it, it's once the teams have played uh, four other teams, it sort of sets it up, makes it a bit easier to sort of judge where teams are at. I mean, people still, teams still beat other teams throughout the year that we don't expect. We don't expect half the results that happen, I swear. But in terms of having a look at the ladder, it's going to reveal a little bit more than it currently does. Yeah. But. We've spoken a lot about the Vixens and the Fever and also the Firebirds and the Fever matchup. And Dan, your matchup of the week. I'm hoping that this one actually gets on the court and features, but anyway. <laughs> Don't talk to me about last week. <laughs> but uh, this week, who you got? I'd like this week to play the full 60 minutes because we haven't managed that really the matchups of the week. But um, if for me, it was a really big toss-up between Danelle and Courtney Bruce. Uh, I ended up going with Janil and Ebenezer Brown because we've seen that matchup in international netball and it was worth the popcorn. And if, I mean, Ebenezer Brown's been flying since she started. She knows how to play Janil Fowler. She's got 10 deflections and five rebounds in the first two weeks. That is an absurdly good haul for a goalkeeper, um, especially in a team that last week was pretty dominant in the pool wasn't down her end all that much mm -hmm. um, and she still had eight deflections last week that's it's amy probably why it was at the other end <laughs> <laughs> that's like an amy parmenta level return for the week and um, that's coming from a goalkeeper yeah so I, I think she's been fantastic she's kept her penalties down which was something we were a bit worried mm. about coming into the season and it's so important against Janelle fowler to stay in play because as it is, she can shoot over you. If you're standing next to her, there's no chance of stopping her. And you're um, also out of place at the rebound. You have to be in play to stop Janelle Fowler. Um, and Ebony has shown the ability to do it. So for me, I think that's going to be one of the most compelling matchups of the weekend. That whole match, as we talked about earlier, you know, the teams are not that different. Um, one's obviously a lot more established, but that whole match is something I'm looking forward to in that matchup in particular at that uh, in that goal circle is, I think, going to be the matchup of the round. Sunday afternoon, my eyes will be glued to the TV as I watch this one because I, I can't wait to see it. It is, as you say, an international matchup. It's a, it's a matchup we've seen quite a few times um, over the past uh, little while. And they're two incredibly talented athletes, but they are also now playing in a super netball league, which has different umpiring and different, all of that sort of stuff. So they they both they both excel in their own right. And Ebony already has shown that in super netball. I mean, she played ANZ back a little while ago, but um, coming into this new competition that we've had for a few years now, that Fowler has absolutely dominated. 
it'll be real. <laughs> She's only been named player of the season four times. What are you talking times? about? Out of four years, you know. Uh, no. <laughs> but Ebony, yeah, if it, I mean, who knows what she can do to Fowler? I don't think she's going to stop her, but if she slows her down, it might be enough the way that the Firebirds have started. Um, and I think it's going to be worth watching whatever happens. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's plenty of netball worth watching over the next eight <laughs> games much. that happen all in five days. So we got Saturday, Sunday netball, Monday's a day off, take a break, <laughs> and then come back to it on Tuesday night because we've got two matchups on Tuesday night and two matchups on Wednesday night. So they're at six and eight o'clock on the East Coast. So make sure that you... Um, check that out because honestly, it's yeah a, a lot of a lot of netball to come. But we will be back to review it all after round four is finished, which is late on Wednesday. So um, it's going to be a couple of rounds that really do set up the season. I think it's going to be really interesting to see where teams are placed when we return next week. So thank you for joining me, Ariana and Dan. It's been great to talk. Netball. This has been Over a Third Podcast. We you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Over a Third Pod. Uh, we are writing match reports for every game, so you can check those out at edgeofthecrowd.com. I know that Ariana is super excited to get down to some netball over the next week, and her match reports and photos will be up. Oh, yes. Uh, and then I will be getting down to some action at Netball SA as well. So we'll have some match reports from those. Thank you for listening. And we will be back next week ahead of round five.